Hey guys, we are Whatever Is Left, here with another episode for you guys today, this time with another interview. I'm Hunter. I'm Danny. I'm Matt. And we have on Aberdeen City Councilman and Democratic Central Committee member, Adam Hyob. Nice to see you. Welcome, Adam, to the podcast. So uh, please note, everyone, that by bringing on politicians onto our show, we are not endorsing them as of yet, but giving them a chance to explain who they are, what they do, and why they deserve to stay in their positions. So I'd like to start with a disclaimer. Adam and I went to high school together, along with our editor, Gary. That seems like forever ago now. Yeah, Um, nine years. (laughs) Wow, it's coming up quick. Uh, But for the audience, let's get to know you a bit. Uh, What's your background? Uh, well, where do you want to start? <laughs> Actually, do post-high school. Like, what probably led to your, like, education and which is pursuit to politics? So, uh, just to give a background, like, my family's been around politics a long time. Uh, you know, that kind of got me in, in interested in going down that pathway in, in college uh, with a degree in political science. Um, you know, I wanted to stay local, so, you know, I did couple years at Harford and then at UMBC, and um, they have a great uh, program there. And it's a very international, uh, it's a great international program. So the uh, perspectives and the people that you get to interact with is from all over and all different walks of life. And that really just encouraged um, me to go even further with with, uh, getting involved in public service. Um, Growing up around it and seeing the impact that somebody can have um, in elected office versus, you know, it's, it's great to come to council meetings. We always want to hear from people, and, and activism is incredibly important. Um, by the end of the day, it, it really takes either having a good relationship with your elected official or, or getting in the field yourself. And um, going out of college, I, took the, I got the opportunity to serve as a legislative director in the Maryland General Assembly for three years. And that was an amazing opportunity to, to learn the ins and outs of the state-level government and to really get a grip on what constituent service and legislative drafting looks like. And realizing that higher up you go in government, the less the less hands-on you could be with the local matters. And that was something that made me uh, stay, want to stay local. I could have taken the degree and run to Washington and um, taken jobs on the Hill, and that wasn't necessarily where I wanted to invest my time. So taking that experience for three years, coming from a local office here in Harford County, really uh, drove me to then take on this opportunity to to run for either Central Committee and then, uh, of course, the City Council. So what was your job like um, with the Maryland uh, state government? Like, what what was your day-to-day job? So so I was in charge of of running an office during the legislative session, which is uh, 90 days um, running from the second Wednesday in January to um, the second uh, Monday in April. And that experience was, um, I call it a, a 90 day sprint because you're, you're, you're not working nine to five, you're working long days, you're getting, uh, dra- you're drafting um, bills, you're drafting testimony, you're getting people to sign up to support um, your bill in the proper hearing, you're forming a coalition, um, you manage a staff of a few people, and you, you work with the, directly with the legislator to say, this is what the plan is for the week, this is what our goals are for the day. Um, it's, it's really forming coalitions, and that's what, what it really is all about. Um, it, it, and outside of that, there's, of course, you know, there's constituent services. Right now, if you were to be in that position, you would be dealing with unemployment for, um, you know, I've talked to the legislators now, that's their number one job 
all through the pandemic, they've had to deal with the the, um, the state on that. And, and um, but outside of that, you, you have you have scholarship programs. We manage that for our, for uh, high school seniors, and of course, returning um, students throughout their college career. Um, and and this being the liaison to that representative in here in the district, um, so I got to know this the south end of Hartford County, District Thirty Four A, running from Haverty Grace uh, down to Joppatown, really well over the la- over the last five years, and of course the three years that I was there. Um, outside of the session, you know, you're just a staff of one. You know, we, we lose those other members during during the session outside of session. So it, it's a very important to to be. Um, a grab bag of a lot of, of a lot of things and um, build those relationships with other staffers from across the state and other legislators. And I found that to be very rewarding um, experience. And uh, there really isn't anything like it here in, in Maryland other than, than doing it itself. And, and without anybody actually doing the job, you never understand the scope of what's going on down there because it's, it's so much in such a short period of time. I even tell people now and they, they come to me and say, well, this is going on down there, and this is going on, and why are they doing this? And I said, you got to trust what they're doing and verify, but trust that, that, that they know the process. And sometimes it doesn't look right at first, what the policy is going to look like. And at the end of the day, it might look like something, oh, I can, I can live with that. I can live with that because it, it's it's so much to take in as a first-timer or someone who's just starting to engage in the political process that you need, um, need to have the – the seasoned people help the, the new people come on because you, you always just you, you give it back too. So when they come on, they can train the next person. Um, there's nothing like the 90-day session. I have a quick uh, follow-up question to that. Um, was there any feelings of like, you know, you're young, you're new? Did anyone potentially feel, you know, threatened that people like us are getting more involved in the political sphere? Um, down there, it's it's really a changing climate as it as it was when I got there. The staffers down there typically are people that are, you know, at the end of their career and they're um, they're they're doing it as a as phasing out of, of work and they enjoy just doing the the monotony of the work, not the actual legislative part of it. Um, but on the flip side, a lot of the staffers are people our age. They're in their twenties and early thirties, and they this they're because it's such a fast pace that you need to be able to have the long days and run around and climb four steps in five minutes to get a bill to get a, get a piece of testimony to somebody. Um, like for example, we had one bill that was, had passed out of the house, gone to the Senate, had a hearing and the chairman of the committee was ready to kill the bill because he didn't have a certain letter. He wanted to hear from somebody in particular. And that requires running through the underground tunnels from the house, from the Senate side, back to the house side, into your office, grabbing the piece of paper because they wanted a hard copy and running back over in five minutes, and they and get it up to the, the chairman looks at it and says, "Okay, we can vote on this bill," and they gave it the green light. I mean, and it sometimes it's that fast. A bill could die after all this work just because they don't see the letter from the proper person. So it really is a, uh, it's a young person's game for the more aggressive offices, the, the offices that are laid back and just do a few bills, you know, or from safe districts. You know, the person I worked for doesn't didn't come from a safe district, so it, it requires to be aggressive. Um, so definitely a lot of the, the offices had people our age in it. Um, but it was very uh, helpful to have the seasoned people there to go to for um, some advice at times. Uh, go ahead, Danny. Yeah, I just had a quick question just for people who wouldn't understand. Like, what would a safe district be considered? So a safe district would be any district that you look at the 
presidential number typically. So um, the PVI, uh, presidential voting um, indicator in a district, is you know, anything more than like 10 is typically considered a safe seat. So if it's D plus 10, then it means that the Democratic presidential candidate got um, a larger spread of uh, 10% over the national average. And same thing conversely, if, there, if it's R plus 10, the Republican candidate got 10 more than the average. Um, most of the districts here in Harford County are safe Republican districts. Um, the district that I'm in is a that I worked in was a lean Democrat district, meaning that the it's probably within about five of the of the presidential performance, and it's harder to, to even take another layer off of that because the PVI is based off the presidential election, which is higher turnout, and the delegates are elected in the midterms, so the turnout is typically lower, and historically. Democratic performance is down more than Republicans in the midterm. So it actually comes out to a very light blue, <laughs> very light blue seat at the end of the day. So it does require a lot of work um, to be active and provide good service to your district and be representative of the district. Um, you're not going to appease everyone all the time, but it's it's important that they've sent you there. I know that you know most of the people that get elected in this district have supporters that are predominantly one party or the other, but they do get crossover support. So it's important to balance that out while still holding to like the main principles of why you're, why you're a member of that party. Yeah, I've definitely um, seen instances where at the top of the ticket, someone will vote one way, but all the way down the ticket, they'll vote for something else. Um, those sorts of things happen all the time. Uh, my next question for you is about uh, the job that you had before. What, like, what is it like to draft policy and legislation like that how particular do you have to be with like your word choice and you know all that kind of stuff because it's really interesting like how one small like misinterpretation can really change how a law goes into effect and like what it means uh do you have anything to say about that yeah the 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 process down there is is very um you know there's deadlines that you have to have a bill requested by this point to guarantee that it gets returned to you in time to get a um, introduction on the House floor so it gets sent to a proper committee. It doesn't just go to rules and has a good chance of dying. So um, some bills you have to be very particular about. Like, I want it to be to do this and it has to be in this section of the uh, of COMAR, which is the Code of Maryland. And um, other times you can just say, I need this to happen here and bill drafting office, figure out where it goes. Because at the end of the day, we're none of us are really not a lot of us are lawyers. So it, it's based on, the, it gives the lawyers in the office less headache to say, we want it here when really it should be here. And they, they work to get the right language and the right thing in place. So it, it, sometimes it's particular. Sometimes it's it, it's just like, I want this, make it happen. And then we review it. And before it even gets uh, put in the hopper um, in the clerk's office, we, we look at it again and go over it. Sometimes you get a bill back and if you pre-file it, you could pre-file it like October before the January session, meaning you can request it and have three months to work on it before you introduce it. And then it gets introduced on the first day. So sometimes it takes, you know, months to get it right. Um, and sometimes you don't have months. Sometimes you put the bill in and you got to get it into the committee. And then by then the committee works out any amendments that need to take place. Uh, my next question is, do you have any like landmark uh, legislation that you worked on that you're really proud of? Uh, we did we did a, a variety of bills. My, the, the delegate I worked for was on economic matters. So we did a lot of um, business regulation and um, alcoholic beverages with the subcommittees she's on. So we did a lot of bills that supported um, 
uh, breweries across the state, at the microbreweries like we see around, that are popping up. We did legislation to make it easier to, to sell, have roving vendors to sell alcohol in the stands. Um, little things like that. We never had a lots of, of big, big legislation. We did we did have a big part in the um, uh, the Family Family Leave Act that was a, a few years ago. It, it came through our committee, and we did a lot of work to get that bill um, in a place where small businesses could be su- successful with the you know um, guaranteed sick leave that you, that you, that we now have in the state, and at the same time you know making larger businesses have to follow those. Um, regulations it's it's a uh i i like to do the bills sometimes that are just the you know just nitty-gritty things that aren't necessarily always the most flashy but they're important to -to day-to-day operations of things and i think the success of the microbreweries and the bills that we did there were really successful we did work to um you know student voting rights was something i did even before i got to annapolis um, was gave the student member on the Board of Education here in Hartford County a vote on um, on some legislation. And that, that's really important to give, you know, someone our age at the time, like 18-year-olds, a right to vote on the issues that affect them on a day-to-day basis. Couldn't get to do everything, and that's understandable. You don't want an 18-year-old deciding, you know, the punishment of, a, of an employee that, that isn't, no, like, they're not privy to that information but it's it's really um it's a good first step to give us a voice and a seat at the table and i and i we did that in in high school that was done our senior year so that was something i i was very proud of before i even got down there uh i have another uh, follow-up question to that when it comes to the committees at the legislation was it that you particularly were in charge of one part of like a guarantee subcommittee and any legislation was toward that topic or you could submit potential legislation for other subcommittees that you were not a part of? Oh, you could you could submit legislation. that There's six standing committees and um, every member is on one committee and they typically are assigned to um, one or two subcommittees depending on the size of the, of the committee and the scope of uh, work that committee does. So you could submit things to any to um, anything. Um, it's, it's sometimes easier when it, the bill goes in front of the committee that you are a member of because uh, you have a long-standing relationships with these people on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, there's six committees on a broad scope of topics, and um, you, you can submit anything anywhere. Okay. Um, so we mentioned your current elected uh, positions um, in the show's introduction today. So, like, what are your actual job descriptions for those? So, um, on the Central Committee, I was elected to that in 2018 um, in the primary election. Uh, it's only elect, it's only um, Democratic registered voters who vote in the Democratic primary who get to uh, vote there because it's, it's a party office. It's not necessarily a public office. And um, th- in that role, I eventually became the vice chair, not because I was dis- really ambitious about it. I wanted to just do some work here, but the position opened up, and it was just – right person right time i guess like they wanted me to fill to fill that spot and i said okay um so in in that role um it's it's very it's all volunteer in that sense like it's not like equivalent to the to the council work but you know we're in charge of you know working on voter registration we're raising money uh we do uh we have a presence at um events like first fridays and Haverty grace the darlington apple festival um job arts festival you just you just pick one of those events farm fair on certain years when we're gearing up for a midterm election in particular because these things cost money so we try to save the money for the uh, midterm elections um we work on 
uh, sign distribution and, and helping the candidates uh, with information, um, like where to, where to find uh, sign shops that are friendly, places to get good deals on different uh, items. We promote their materials. We have a, uh, a social media page that's pretty um, active. So it, it's, it's and, and, and strategizing. Like I was in charge of a strategic plan that I think is very good for the 2022 campaign. Um, on the flip side of it is you have to be able to execute it. You know, you can have a great plan, but you got to have uh, a committee that's willing to, to do the work. So we were, we were, we were 10 people elected, uh, five men, five women. And, um, you know, th that's that's our, our main objective is to get everything moving to the, 20, to the midterm campaigns, but also staying active and visible throughout the cycle. Um, you know, Maryland's not a competitive state at the presidential level, so that you don't see a lot of active campaigns. Like you didn't see the Trump campaign or the Biden campaign here. You saw some signage, obviously, but you didn't see like the candidates here. So it's, um, it's, it's basically trying to keep some presence and keep people engaged, even when we're when we're not in cycle, we, we export, we're an export state. So um, you send volunteers and you send resources to like Pennsylvania or Virginia swing states to, to, um, to help out with the general cause. Um, so that, that, that's the main focus is to, you know, recruit candidates, um, get Democrats elected, voter registration, raise some funds to help the candidates overall in, in the midterms. Um, and and that, that's, that's kind of our, our, our main gist. Um, it's, something small but it's mm -hmm. just you said five men five women is that an intentional thing or did it just yeah, fall the, into our, our, our the state party bylaws say that it has to be gender balanced um they are they're adding things now for non-binary individuals to try to f balance it out if, if, how they decide to run if they decide to run um it's a complicated formula once i think once they bring in the non-binary part right now we run on a ballot where it's separate so there's eight men and eight women running the top five vote getters get elected um and the one thing i failed to mention is that we are also a part of the state and therefore a national party in, in the sense that we are the most grassroots um official arm of the party so that when we have like state uh bylaws changes or national conventions we have a part to play in who are the who the national delegates are who some of the rules changes some of the party platform information um, so we have we we have a vote in who is on the national board who selects like the national party chairman or woman very interesting um now what do you do in the Aberdeen City Council so the Aberdeen City Council is is really the uh, is is the work that I find very um, enjoyable and also it's you know you have your your back and forth and some frustrations here and there, and that's to be expected in politics. But I was elected to that in 2019. Um, I was very uh, you know pleased to be the top vote getter because we're all elected at one time, um, and so it's the top top four. And it, it's it's basically we have for people who don't know, we have you have state, federal, county government, and in some places you have municipal governments where it's a much more defined area community. Um, in Maryland, that's how Maryland's structured. Um, and sometimes some of the county responsibilities are turned over to the city and municipal government and additional other really local responsibilities. So we, we handle our own police department rather than having the county's police service. We handle our own trash collection service and how that's facilitated our own um, public infrastructure. So water, sewer, roads are handled by so we can set priority on which roads get repaved rather than the county. It's, it's basically taking some of the county control and making it even more localized. Um, we, we manage, you know, development and growth that happens in the community. Um, 
obviously annexation to grow the size of the city. We have uh, responsibilities there to plan for that long term. Uh, we have a big uh, project we're working on right now to try to um, handle the growth on the west side of the city, so up by Ripken Stadium, which is something else that we have responsibilities to as well. The city owns the stadium. Um, Cal Ripken and Billy Ripken own the uh, team and have someone else that manages it, but we own the actual facility. So there's a lot of um, responsibility there in deciding how are we going to handle the growth on the west side. We have 10-year comprehensive plans that we're actually working on right now for the next 10 years. Um, we're in budget season right now, so we'll be passing a budget here in, in a few weeks that, you know, it's it's uh, $30 plus million that is our operating budget, which includes our water and sewer funds and the stadium fund. Um, and we, we basically uh, structure the priorities of the city in terms of, you know, trying to get public events that go on at Festival Park, um, parades that we have at, at the holidays. So there's a lot of um, uh, managing of... Um, you know, staff priorities of what infrastructure is the most um, critical, and uh, how how we how we um, policies we have in place for our police department. Of course, that's been a big thing over the last years. Aberdeen was very um, proactive early on to have body cams. We were the first, uh, you know, um, government in Harford County to have that, and we're already looking to um, advance that and provide even better technology going into the future. Um, we have a transit-oriented development zone down by our train station. Aberdeen's train station is one of the busiest on the East Coast, running between um, Washington and New York because of Aberdeen Proving Ground. And we have a very strong relationship with them. We have a partnership with them on a lot of things. So we, we handle the 16,000 plus probably 17,000 people that live in the city. Plus, we have a responsibility um, to the you know 100,000 people that come in and out every week at the Proving Ground. Um, so there's a lot of uh, extra responsibility that Aberdeen has compared to Harvard, Grace, and Bel Air in that role. Uh, we we are in charge of um, hiring, you know, the top staff in the city. So the city manager, we're going through that process now. So that's that's the general gist. We, of course, we we draft our own legislations and our own piece of legislation that we have there, um, like we do in Annapolis. But the process, of course totally different. <laughs> so um, for people who don't know, uh, what does the Aberdeen like city government look like? So we have a mayor and four council members. We are all elected at the same time every four years. Uh, so our next election is November of 2023. Um, we are So the mayor is elected separately and the four councils, the top four vote getters. We uh, have a city manager who operates the day-to-day -day operations of the city. Um, since we are not uh, in the city hall every single day, um, he he or she is the you know the six figure person who makes sure that the city runs smoothly. We make the decisions. He brings he or she brings that to us, and then we we um, uh, determine the, the best direction forward. Um, we have department heads that run planning and, and planning and community development, uh, public works, all the water, sewer, roads, um, you know, trash. All that all that is facilitated through public works. Um, and, and maintaining all of our facilities. We have a chief of police and a police department, and we have uh, finance, our main, plus the admin, which falls under the city manager and uh, the respected staff. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mayor council form of government. So uh, there's three forms in Maryland. There's the commissioner style, strong mayor, and then there's the um, uh, council manager form of government, and that's what we have. Um, I find it to be sometimes you know, effective because you have a very experienced person managing the day-to-day -day and we 
take advice and learn from from that and hear from the staff. But at the same time, it's a challenge because you get different personalities in that role, and that person is not held to um, account to the voters. That person's on a contract, and it's very. Um, Sometimes, if the personalities aren't working, it's it's it can be a, a contentious period. We um, we are in the process of searching for a new city manager right now, and, and some of that has to do with you know personalities and leadership style, and that's a challenge at times. So, uh, if you're uh, looking for a new city manager, what kinds of qualifications would you want that person to have? So, you're looking for somebody who has you know strong you know strong leadership abilities, but also a desire to listen and take advice from people and not have to be stuck in a particular way. I think being innovative and open-minded is extremely important. You obviously want the person to have city management experience or some sort of management experience, not always have to be a city manager. Um, but we, we're, we have candidates right now that are, you know, vice presidents of, you know, colleges or, um, you know, directors of some organization. Um, but also at the same time, we have people that have been city managers or assistant city managers in cities that are larger and smaller than Aberdeen. So that's that's the main stuff that we're looking for. And someone who's who's definitely you know comfortable with working more than a nine to five because the city manager job is you get things in the middle of the night or early in the morning and it, or on the weekends and you just have to address them. Cities don't 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 stop after after work hours. <laughs> Another uh, quick question as far as uh, how you go about the business of Aberdeen and focusing on primarily your area, but how does that interact with, like, say, the county executive Harvard County? Like, there's times you guys have to sort of, like, check in on what they're doing before you make full moves since you are within the county? Oh, absolutely. So our, our, our job is, you know, we have, we have constituent concerns as well, too. So it's, it's not just, like, the state has issues. Some things are addressed at the state level. Some things are addressed at the county level, federal, and city. So we, we have certainly have constituent services as well, and those things need to be um, addressed. And if we get things that aren't fall within our um, our jurisdiction of work, then we take it to those people. So it's important to have relationships with our state delegates and our county council members and our county executive. Um, like right now is a perfect example. We're working on getting funding from the county for an activity center in Aberdeen. Aberdeen is one of the only parts of the county that don't that are um, that are population center that doesn't have a activity center. So we have to work with people that. Um, at different levels of government to ensure funding for things um, and deciding which, once that's funded, how is it going to be operated? Is it going to be operated by the city? Is it going to be operated by the county? Um, so there's a lot of, you know, having those relationships and regular communication with our county council members, our county executive, and our members of the state legislature. We got we get money in the state budget um, if we properly put, um, you know, information together and, and a grant, basically, a grant um, proposal for funding for projects. We got money for our, our swim center in Aberdeen to do design work for the engineering that needs to be done in the coming years. So it's all about um, when you're working with other levels of government to ensure that the constituents and the people that you serve are being um, best served, you know? Um, and that typically comes down to the um, quality of life side of things. So it's really important. I, and I pride myself on having those open lines of communication regularly with people at all levels of government. Um, whether it's at the state, at the statewide officials, the municipal, uh, other municipal officials, the county officials, or even our, our federal representation. Uh, do you like the way that Aberdeen's uh, government is set up, and would you change its structure in any way? Um, I, I think there's a lot of good qualities. I, there are some changes I'd like to see if I if I could wave my wand and say this is what I want. Uh, uh, does the council have that kind of uh, power to like restructure how the 
their government is set up there. Yeah, we do. We, we do as a council have the ability to make those changes. We could choose to send it to the voters, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think in the past, when when structure of government has been changed, like basically it, it could be done in a night. And really, you could introduce a, a charter amendment and have a public hearing and vote on it the same night, and basically change the form of government without much input. I'm not a fan of that. I am a fan of, of the council and the mayor looking at the form of government we have and saying what's working, what's not working, and saying, hey, voters, from the inside, people like us that are working on it, we would like to present this to you at the next election and say, this is what we believe should be the most reasonable change. Um, we could change it like that, but we could also send it to the voters, and I think that's the best way to do that when it comes to the structure, because that's that's – that's a few years ago. They they did they did change the form of government to an extent when it comes to the role of the mayor, um, and that's that's it was right after an election because they didn't really like who won, and that's not cool. I mean that's that, that's just basically saying we we were fine with the form of government. We elected this person with this authority, and then you turn around and change it because you don't like the person. I think that the that the government should be changed in. Um, an approval of the voters, and that's what they've done at the county for years. That's what they do at the state level, um, and that's what it should. If it's other things in the charter, it, it should be done just through the council because it's not. It's basically legislating rather than you know dictating what's going to happen. And so when you're changing the form of government, that needs to go to the voters. Um, if there were things I'd like to see changed, I'd like to see. Um, you know, I think the mayor, um, whether I agree with him or not on things, the role is too weak right now. I don't think we have a mayor um, position set up that allows the mayor to be any more than a, you know, a, a the, the head of the council, the face of the city. Figurehead. Kind of more like a figurehead. I mean, they get elected like everybody else. They have the same powers as the council. Um, but he, he doesn't have a lot of ability to try to set policy or bring certain things forward. And that would mean that I wouldn't always agree with the person who's, you know, what he's bringing forward, but it, it, it's an executive role and it really should be structured in, in an executive capacity. So I would, I would certainly do that. I think the city manager is, is right now as it's structured is too, has too much authority for someone who's not held to account by the voters. Um, so I'd like to see some of that power shifted back to the mayor. Um, and personally, I'd like to see staggered terms on our council. We have um, Bel Air and Harvard Grace both have staggered terms, so not everybody's up at one time. And that gives the voters the ability to have um, a more regular say in, in what's um, the direction they'd like to see the city go. And it also prevents the opportunity for a council to be wiped out and all institutional knowledge you know, eliminated at one time. We almost had that happen back in 2015 in Aberdeen. You had a new city manager come on um, not long after the election with four of the five council members being brand new, including the mayor. And that that's that that really held us back for a couple of years to get in a place where you could really start, you know, jiving and, and moving forward. Um, so I, I, those are some of the things I would would see changed. Um, so can you get into any specifics about, um, I guess, any of this drama that was happening between the council and the mayor and like the mayor's weakened like position, like how that came about, or uh, if you don't know a whole lot about that like were, were you even involved with that sort of process did that happen before your time so it happened before i was on the council but it, i certainly <laughs> i certainly was involved in city politics at the time um you know you had you had a mayor get elected um from one slate and then the council was all elected from the other slate and there was a tie for the fourth seat um and it was between one from the mayor's slate and one from the former mayor's slate and so there was a lot of back and forth there to find to pick somebody and of course 
out of whatever circumstance, Aberdeen didn't have anything in our charter to deal with a tie vote. Um, it had never happened before. We And we had had elections decided by one vote in Aberdeen before. So never a tie, but we had a tie. So it, it came down to, based on an attorney's opinion, the city's attorney's opinion, that the seat was vacant and the mayor could appoint who he wanted with the confirmation of the council. So you had a mayor and a council that were on opposite teams basically in the whole campaign. And the mayor's choice, incoming mayor's choice, never got the votes from the council. And the mayor's, the former mayor's person never got nominated because it was from the opposite slate. So you had you had months of just this going back and forth, trying to pick somebody to fill this seat, all while trying to eventually pick a new city manager. And eventually they settled on somebody who didn't run at all. Um, but there was there was that back and forth that resulted in i in, in my opinion the the changes in the power of the mayor some of those things were were fine but at the same time you should have made him a true executive rather than stripping some of his some of his authority away from him um so that that that's kind of why that changed last time it was just because you had two camps and one camp ran ran all the got all the legislative seats and the one other camp got the mayoral seat and it just it worked out by circumstance and normally that wouldn't happen so very unique uh, uh situation in 2015 so what is the mayor capable of like i know you're sort of talking about the mayor like they're just like the fifth city council position is mm-hmm. that all it is just like with a different name change or it, 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 there's a little bit not much additional i mean they they sign some official documents they are the ones who make nominations to local uh, to city commissions like the Planning Commission, Board of Appeals, Appearance and Preservation, stuff like that, and we still confirm those things. Um, the mayor, t- with the city manager, produces the budget, and we then review it and make amendments to it uh, as needed. He's the he's the primary point of contact um, for certain things, but um, it, it's very very limited. The role is basically a fifth legislator with a few select extra um, uh, uh, responsibilities. And the person typically would, would communicate with the city manager more so than a council member. They would probably speak to the city manager every day. We would probably talk to the city manager a few times a week. Um, and right now, the mayor is the acting city manager in our city. Uh, oh. So so we, we uh, when we have a vacancy, the council selects an interim city manager before a mayor is selected, or in a city manager is selected and so we we collectively as a council um agreed that that the most you know neutral person amongst the choosing someone from staff would just be choosing the mayor since he interacted with the person and it kind of restored some of those responsibilities um so right now it typically if you can't agree on somebody you make the mayor the acting city manager and that's who the acting city manager is right now i'm sure he feels like a mayor with all the powers of the city manager Uh. (laughs) a quick question as far as you believe in the idea like transparency is very important at least in your idea of how the government should run and you know, over the years, there's been a lot of debate, like people debating is where, where's our money going? Where's our taxes actually being spent on things that are supposed to help us? Mm-hmm. Does Aberdeen, uh, the council, give a lot of like, you know, public records to where the money's going? Or we just kind of like announce it and this is why we're doing it and oh, versus absolutely. like showing it? So our, our budget is is not um, done yet, but, and, but the, the working draft is available on the city's website. And once the final draft is done, it'll show line by line, not individual items, but like categories. So like police department, uniforms, this is how much we spent on uniforms. Or DPW, sidewalks, this is how much we sent to improve sidewalks in the city. So everything is, is very clear. All the main items are very clearly defined in the budget. 
Um, we are we our city clerk is phenomenal. She takes pride in making sure that everything is the most transparent as possible. If you want a, a city document, um, a lot of the, the legislative stuff is on the website. If there's anything that is not a legislative item, um, like an ordinance or a resolution, just more of a you know a memo or something. Um, you just you have to go through the standard like public information requests, but it should turn it around to you very fast. We have a phenomenal city clerk, and um, Aberdeen definitely prides itself on, especially when it comes to our, our use of tax dollars, where it's going. And a last follow up question: uh, From your time working at the mayor legislative, with their city clerk, as far as trying to make sure records are transparent, does do you feel like it gets harder the more population you're basically in charge of, or is it just more of like kind of people have to put the time and dedication to like making sure it's transparent. So it, it definitely becomes, you know, there's definitely more responsibility as the city grows. Um, there's, you know, we have to hire more people to do um, certain work, particularly in DPW, um, because you have more streets, you have more um, sidewalks, more curbs, more public spaces that need to be maintained. Um, especially when it comes to trash, we did a whole, we, we, we had, we actually, the council, I didn't agree with it, but the council decided to outsource our, our trash collection service and recycling service, um, starting in August because the city is growing and you had to balance whether it's, you know, do we want to keep growing in house with trucks and staff versus outsourcing it to somebody else? It was in my belief after all the research that we could certainly handle growing and the cost of growing was not anywhere near the amount of revenues that you receive off a new development. Um, the majority, so it was a three to two vote, did, um, uh, agree didn't agree with me, and um, you know the, the the citizens aren't really happy about it because it's it's a service that we provide really well, and the trash and recycling team and the environmental team, most of them live in Aberdeen or live around Aberdeen. They have an investment here, um, so that that's something where it's like when as the city grows, you have to make decisions one way or the other. Um, how you facilitate that. As the city grows, we have other things that need to be handled. And more staff means your HR department can't just be one person. It needs to be two people. Um, you know, as as you grow and you have a, a population that, um, especially the new growth, is, is younger um, in the new developments, because most of our new developments are either upscale apartments or they're, um, you know, single family homes that are, some of them are running half million dollars or more. So you have, you know, people that are in their 30s and 40s with young families that are that are, have jobs on the proving ground that are making six figures, but they also want to have more recreational and more um, opportunities to be um, engaging with their community. So that requires, you know, having like a parks and rec person, having um, a public engagement person, a community liaison. So it does, it definitely takes like Aberdeen 20 years ago and the, and the city now, it's two different um, things. You know, it, it, was, it was quiet. It's you know, good old school people that have been around forever. They get elected over and over again. Quiet elections, not a lot of controversy. And that certainly has changed you know, with Proving Ground and BRAC coming in, in about 10 years ago uh, with the base realignment and closure from um, Monmouth, New Jersey, brought in more people. Um, it's continually being a very active site. Um, you know, investment in, in uh Healthcare is going to be huge in Aberdeen because the medical, the hospital in Haverty Grace is closing and coming to Aberdeen and Upper Chesapeake in Bel Air. So healthcare becomes a huge thing in Aberdeen. APG is, is constantly growing. Um, you know, the infrastructure bill that's coming in November, likely in November from the uh, administration, the Biden administration is probably going to have an, hopefully a positive impact on us because we have a very active, you know, as I said, train station, uh, one of the busiest in the country. And, you know, uh, 
the president certainly passed through here every day when he was a senator on the train. So um, he, he is uh, he's very familiar with this line um, running from Wilmington to, to Washington. So we, we're poised to, you know, try to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, you brought up a good point that the city is developing in its nature just younger. Um, from the research I found, it does seem like you are the youngest city council person. Do you think that with the change in the city, there should be a change in the council as well? Well, I, I, there's, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there, there with being the youngest person on the council in, in the city. You know, um, Aberdeen historically had a generally older council, um, and that was just because, you know, the city was, was you know, pretty stagnant for a while. So, you had the, you had the same electorate. And I think now this, the council is, is becoming more um, age-wise diverse. We are certainly not demographically, racially, or gender-wise balanced at all based on the population of Aberdeen by any means. Um, and that's a that's a big problem we still have. Age-wise, I think we've done pretty well. We have, you know, I'm in my 20s. We have the mayor is in his 30s. We have a councilman that's right around 40. Another one, um, uh Hunter would know, you know, Tim Linda Camp is, is yeah. it from from Aberdeen High School is in it right around 60. And then we have a councilwoman in her 70s. So it's, it's age-wise, we're pretty balanced as the city is changing. But, you know, we're a city that's, you know, almost it's at least 35% or more non-white. And it, it's a city that has a council that's all, all white. And, and so that's not reflective of the city at all. We have uh, one woman. It would be nice to have at least two or three on the council to be somewhat balanced as, as the city is. Um, so we we certainly, I, I encourage people, always encourage people to run. I still encourage people to run. Now, I have no problem with um, whether the field of candidates is, is four or 24. And I think it's important to have a lot of perspective out there. And the more people that run, the higher the turnout typically is too, because you, you're all bringing different people out to vote. Um, so that's that's a uh, I've I've already been trying to get people for next election, the people that I know who are getting involved in different you know, um, you know volunteer stuff in the city. Say hey, you know this is this, I'm I'm glad to see you out here, and it would be really great if you're interested to to get to, if you want to run for council because it's it's we're going to have open seats. It's not like everybody always runs again. Even if someone was running again, it's, it still should be important to have those perspectives out there. Um, Bel Air took a, had a big milestone back the same night that I won. They elected the first, I think, the first majority female commissioner council in Hartford County. Um, four of their, uh, three of their five members are women, and it was the first time I believe in 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 Hartford County's history that we had a legislative body that was majority woman. Um, Hartford's three municipalities have not had have had, I think, have only had one or two um, people of color on them in the last. Um, 15, 20 years. And, you know, Aberdeen in particular, being the most diverse, we've had two or th we've had three since we became a city and not a town. We changed our form of government from the commission style to the mayor council style in 1992. We've had three, I think, three people of color on our council. And we are the second most diverse community in Harford County after Edgewood. And so we really, um, I strive, and I and I have already been talking to people at the next for the next session to really you know think about it now because you got time to think about it. But you know, show up to a couple of council meetings and you know ask questions to any of us. Um, so, but but on the other part of your question was is being the youngest person on the council, and I find that to be you know I'm I'm the youngest elected official in Harford County by about six or seven years. And the mayor of Aberdeen and a councilman in Harvard Grace are the next closest. They're in their mid thirties. 
and um, that 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 comes with its own you know opportunities and challenges. Um, I, I find myself having to um, whether it's you know real or not having to be having to do the extra bit of work and research to, to present an argument and lay it out in full detail and and that's not new because we had to do that in Annapolis for for a bill to get passed because they want a lot of detail on the financial impact of this bill or who it affects and why is the this bill important or why is this the policy that we need to take on something um, and also you know, trying to be conservative with the money, with with the tax dollars. Like, why do you need three trucks when you could probably get a buy with one or two in the department? And what's the what are the uses you're going to use for this vehicle? And I I tend to be I tend to find myself doing a lot more research and having to get these long drawn out emails. Of, this is why this needs to be or, or going through the work sessions and really saying, you know, giving long answers versus yes or no's. And and that's I, I don't know if that's just because that's my personality to want to give more information or it's a bit of, you know, I feel like I have to prove myself in a sense um, for for being there, and and uh, um, so there's there's unique opportunities and challenges that come with it. Do you believe that that could be a contributing factor to like maybe while it is steadily, but it is getting a little slow as far as people around our age getting more involved in politics with like the notion like you got to stand up, you got to speak, you got to mm-hmm. basically convey an argument or a persuasion to show hey. I put the time in, I realized this could be a thing, but you guys have to hear what I'm saying, not just look at like my age. Right. And I think I think a huge part of it is is getting people our age to vote, particularly in these city elections. Like turnout in city elections are low. Fifteen, twelve percent of the electorate shows up to vote. And a lot of them are fifty or up in age. And 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 so the the idea that the perspectives of younger people are sometimes harder to convey because they're not as big of the electorate as they should be. And that, that's in, that's in all elections, whether it's the presidential election or a city election. And so I, I, I constantly, when I, when, I, when I go door to door during an election season, I make sure that, you know, I'm not just knocking on the doors of people that are regular city voters, but I'm also knocking on doors of people who are new voters, whether they've moved to the city or they're young. Because it's, there's no... Uh, they have to have somebody. They have to have that touch with somebody. Like they have to have that interaction, and a lot of times they're not going. Most people aren't going to make that interaction on their own. Someone's going to have to come to them and make that interaction, and I, I feel like that's the only way that you have to do. It. Social media is great, but at the same time, they have to find you on social media at a city election. Like most, ninety nine percent of people are are not paying attention at a city election, so they're not looking around to say who do I who who's my candidate or who are the candidates who should I reach out to. Um, so a lot of it's really just you know getting that face-to-face interaction at the door uh, when you're canvassing or at public events and showing that hey, I'm your age, I'm I'm in my 20s. You should be involved because the decisions that we're making now are going to affect us a lot longer and more long-term than someone who's in their 70s or 80s being on the council. And I think I think it's very important. And I'm not bashing someone who's who, whose perspective is from someone in their 60s or 70s. I think it's important to have everybody at the table. And that's um, that's something that's very, very hard to do. And there's no magic formula to get someone in their 20s involved. You know, it's, it's, it's easier at the federal level because things are nationalized and we see it on our Facebook, Instagram, social media, Twitter, TV, all day, nonstop. You see the political coverage. And that's easier to get involved with. You saw it, you know, Young people getting involved with Sanders' campaign in sixteen and twenty. It, there was something to that that really um, engaged pe- young people in, in the process for the first time. And 
you just don't have those big, you know, um, controversial or hyperpartisan or I don't know what the word you're looking for is, but charismatic. Not not saying charismatic, but issues that are just going to like grab your attention. Like most people aren't going to sit back and say, um, "How do we want our parks and rec department to run?" Or what what programs do we want to offer? Or, what roads are we going to take care of? And what what's going to be our priorities for infrastructure to make sure that the that the citizens are getting a good service and not having to raise taxes on it? People who make sparks. Who make what? Sparks. <laughs> Yep. So that that's that's a challenge and I and I think that's that's the ongoing thing at the city level is realizing that and, and, and at the county level too, not just at the city, I think at the county level when it comes to, you know, educational fund education funding coming from the state and the county to support schools. And people our age are gonna be the ones that have kids in the school system in the next decade or more. And it's like, well, we want to make sure it's the best quality school system we have. And people that are retired, aren't having kids. They might have grandkids in school, but they're not going to have kids in school. And they don't have to deal with the day-to-day, you know, struggles that come with that. Um, so I'd like to ask you, like, you talked a little bit about what running for your uh, positions was like. Would you like to go uh, into any more detail about that and talk about, like, maybe what the biggest challenges that you faced running your campaigns were? So the 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 Central Committee one is kind of like... People don't know about it. It's it's less known than the county. Yeah, than the city to be council. honest, I didn't even know anything about that until I went to go vote and I saw your name on the ballot. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess this is a thing that people do now. Did you vote for him? I will not disclose that information. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's very very you know that's very in the woods thing. Like no one pays attention to really the central committee. A lot of times, getting elected to the central committee is, you know name ID because you don't really raise funds for it. You don't like get this huge following for it. You get your friends and family to hopefully vote for you and Is spread it the a word. Uh, paid position? No, no. no. So it's, it's volunteer. You get elected. It's the, it, that and school board, other than some per diem stuff, is the only um, elected positions that aren't, that don't have any, come with any salary. It's, it's all volunteer. It's out of, you know, devotion to the work, I guess, or, or the mission. And so you really have to work in getting your name out there and you don't people aren't going to raise money for that position so you can't send mailers I, I got a little bit of money in from people who wanted to give money and I, so I got some signs and had some signs out there um, but I'd go around with some of the candidates in the primary election just hand out like a business card because um, that's it's all about just everyone's message is the same when you're running for central committee you want to, you want to get Democrats elected or Republicans elected depending on your central committee you want to increase turnout all the things I talked about earlier um, and, and I think it's just going off of your reputation and your experience. And you know, I was very fortunate there too to have you know a, a name that is unique and and, and known in, in Democratic politics in Harford County and even to general voters. Like I did well in North Harford, and I don't profess to know hardly anybody in, in North Harford. And and so it, it's um, it's it's very it's very much about just having getting your name out there for that and having a, a good reputation for for city council. It's of course. Very, you know, people who are following city politics and vote in the city elections know exactly who, what the council is, and might not know who everybody on the council is, but they know what the role is and what they generally, generally do. Not everything, but generally. Um, and in that sense, it's it's kind of the, the challenge, the, the the process there is, you know, you definitely you you, you need to have some base of support. I, I'd say for city of Aberdeen, you need to hit like two thousand doors in two months. And that is, you know, takes time to go to the door to door. It takes time, especially if you get someone to answer their door, to, to talk to them. And if they have any questions, sometimes, like I was at some doors for half an hour answering questions. And when you have, take parts of your evening to knock on doors when people are home or on the weekends, you know, 
that takes up your time. So you got to time management is extremely important during a campaign. Um, you know, pinpointing your people who are willing to, to donate a little bit of money. Running a city campaign can be pretty cheap, but it can also be you know a little bit expensive depending on how competitive the race is. You know, sign, signs are signs have gotten a lot more expensive over the last couple of years, particularly with like um, you know tariffs, especially with China when it comes to the cost of steel and plastics. You know, um, I was talking to the lady who who did my signs and and the wires alone doubled in price um, after the uh, Trump administration's tar- tariffs, and um, so it, it didn't get any cheaper to, to run a campaign to buy these materials. So you got to have a, a network of people that you're willing to give you a little money, or you're willing to put a little bit of your own money. Um, like you could do a, ca- a city campaign on a few thousand bucks, but right, but you know that that requires having those connections and, and that trust that someone's willing to, to donate to you, and of course, thanking them is a huge thing. You know, I, I always I made sure I send you know thank you letters to everybody who handwritten letters to people who send me money because that's that's their hard-earned money that they're giving to me for you know from my success but also for the success of, of the community that i'm in because they believe in the whatever message that i'm putting out there um so i think time management being ability to put in money or be able to raise it is important and having a message that is that resonates and not just being generic i think you have to be ready to answer you know a specific question when it comes up to something that's going on in the city you know, the medical center was a big thing. You know, um, Rupkin Stadium is a big thing that people have questions on. So stuff like that, you have to be able to put in the time, go to the council meetings before you're elected to get information, talk to the people that are currently elected and city staff to to be able to answer answer anything that comes up. And if you don't have an answer, then be able to follow back with somebody. And just having some knowledge of the history of the city, um, I think that's important. You, you could get somebody who doesn't know the history at all and wants to propose something, and it's like, that failed just a few years ago, or that that that, that was a terrible disaster. Don't don't bring it back up again, <laughs> or know how to know how to work something through the process this time in a different way that doesn't create a bunch of controversy while still getting the questions answered. Um, it's way it's way you go about doing things is a big big thing. That sounded like a story uh, from personal experience. Would you like to tell that? <laughs> Which part would you, would you like? <laughs> uh, um, someone suggesting something that is just a horrible idea for the city that already failed before or something like that. So, you know, there, there's there's little odds and ends here and there, but there's also like um, this whole trash thing that I was, ta- that I was talking about yeah. was, you know, we used to have a contract for the city. Um, we, we used to like when the city up until early 2000s, we had a company that we contracted to handle all the trash and recycling. And um, the problem was there is that the company didn't have the same, you know, dedication to the community. They picked up at random times. They didn't always fill the um, the, the route that they had that day, and um, so you you'd get constant complaints to come into City Hall about it. So um, Aberdeen decided at the time to, you know, we're going to take this on in house. It might cost us a little bit more to build up this fleet of trucks and staff, but we're going to guarantee that our residents are having a really good service for the, for, for the cost to live in the Aberdeen. So it's not an extra cost on your taxes. Um, the program changed a little bit over the years once they implemented it from having a sticker program to just including it in your taxes. Um, and it worked phenomenally well. You know, there was a long hour sometimes for our crew, and we should have started looking at growing our, our team several years earlier. But, you know, it was still 
successful and the breakpoints weren't happening on a regular basis. So when they decided to go to this outsourcing um, process again, I reiterated that history and said, you know, this this didn't work before. I've talked to Haverty, people in Haverty Grace who have the same contractor and the same, like basically same contract that we have. I talked to people who have the same contractor that just live in the county without a citywide contract. And it's, there's a lot of, I have a lot of concern about how the, the quality of service is going to be. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a repeat, in my opinion, of what happened and why we went to in-house in the first place. And at the end of the day, it's not going to save us any money. It's just going to be more heartache and lower quality for our residents. Aberdeen, um, of the three municipalities, based on the services that we provide, uh, we're generally the most full-service municipality between Aberdeen and Bel Air. And so um, given that, our tax rate is is the highest of the three. So the residents in, in, in Aberdeen pay a, a personal and um, personal property tax, and um, then they pay a, a portion to the county as well. It's reduced on, say, here in the county, you pay a county tax, and it's a rate. In Aberdeen, you pay a reduced county rate because some of your services are duplicated by the city. So it, the city picks up the rest, but combined, the rate is higher than everybody else. So we should be providing the best quality of service um, given that. And and so it's not like it's a huge differential, but it's 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 enough to say, you know, we, we ask this of our residents, and so we should be giving you the absolute best. Um, when you brought up the trash thing, I immediately... I- currently live in Edgewood so um, we had a huge two months where our trash would be picked up one day and then decided that it didn't want to so I, as you were talking about how you had in-house I was like oh that's really great and then moving away from it I'm like this is going to happen and it's going to get worse because these contractors can't keep up and they don't know how to say no right they 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 they, they keep taking on more and more and this particular contractor is losing customers around the county left and right and you know Bel Air is has the in-house service as well. They love it. We love it. We, we've had it for years. Like I said, everyone loves it. And um, that's a that's that's certainly you know a big concern. I've I've told people if you have a problem, you know call the city because it needs to be documented that this person this contractor is not working. We have you know the, the contract we voted to approve is a four-year contract. So you're stuck with with this person, this company for four years, unless there's like catastrophic failures, um, and in that sense, we would have to go down multiple different paths. But you know, it's important that in that four years, if we see a significant increase spike in problems, that at that four year mark, we decide whether we want to renew with them or go with somebody else. My concern is, you know, once we've uh, liquidated all of our assets for environmental, we don't have anything really to negotiate with, and we're stuck with only the few. Um, contractors that are licensed to provide that service in Harford County. Um, and so that that's a big, that's a big concern of mine going forward. Okay, uh, so uh, to summarize that point, um, if you live in Aberdeen and you want to see your trash services um, go back to in-house, uh, vote for a different city council in the next election. Uh, <laughs> at least a couple of uh, different people. Um, so are you going to seek re-election for your positions, and do you plan on changing roles for what you're running for? So this, the Central Committee one comes up first, so it comes up in 2022 next year. The filing is already open. Um, uh, nobody on either party has filed yet. It's it's very early. Um, you know, we we have uh, we have until February of 2022 to file. End of February, so it's a it's a one year window to file. So it opened. Um, 
February 23rd of this year, and you have till February 22nd of next year to file. And um, nobody has filed for central committee across Harford County or hardly anybody across the state in either party. Um, I think just that's because like you, you're focused on certain work right now, and you you want to see who else is interested in maybe stepping up to run. Um, like I've been trying to, you know, you know, shepherd some people along to encourage them to run next time if they've been appointed to fill vacancies on the committee, um, and looking at other people who might be interested. Um, right now, you know, I, I'm probably going to make that decision pretty late, um, just because. And I don't sound like a political answer, but you know, I'm going to make that decision late because I, I would encourage more people to step up to do it. And at the time when I ran last time, I wasn't on the council yet, and I didn't have other responsibilities. And it takes up time, and and you, and you want to have you know some of your time just to to your time. You two elected roles is, is a lot of work, and so I, I don't. I think if you asked me right now whether I'd run again, I probably would say you know I'm leaning against it, um, but. It's 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 um, it's it's time will tell on that one. For the city council, I'm I'm very confident that I'll run for the re-election next time or for mayor, depending on what what the field looks like. You know, it's 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 uh, I'm very content on the council. I don't need to be the mayor. The position might be open at the time, um, and I think if it's open at the time and I have you know experience um, serving on the council, I would consider that. But I, I would say now, you know, I would tell anybody who asked that I would definitely be running for something in the city of Aberdeen next time. Um, so right now, I, I know that your position um, with the Democratic Central Committee uh, is unpaid, and I am aware that the uh, city council positions are not um, very lucrative. No, no, not uh, at all. Do you have a day job right now? <laughs> so so right now, uh, the, the pandemic did affect my work a little bit. So I'm in between at the moment, but... I, that hopefully won't be the case in a month. I don't want to say anything yet because you know things are still still falling into into place on that front. Um, but you know the legislative work was was phenomenal for the time that it, that it was there. I did some consulting work after that, um, and while while I was on the council, and then you know the pandemic really impacted some of the the line of work that I do, and and particularly in the um, you know some of the nonprofit versus you know. Um, uh, quasi-governmental work and a lot of that got got impacted by the, by the um the virus and the pandemic so you know hopefully if you ask me in a month <laughs> there, there'll be there will be another answer a uh, different answer but you know the council i i given that i've taken the council um job you know very much more hands-on while i've had the opportunity to be more involved in it so asking a lot of questions meeting a lot of people in the staff outside of city hall that are interested so just to have a huge um a larger breadth of knowledge on things so that when it becomes more of a you know after work thing or weekend thing i don't have um i don't have to you know have a, this backlog of, of of questions and things so i can devote the time properly uh to that job as well as the, another job um but i i enjoy the work and i i love the research and the the meetings and the conversation and the um dialogue that I have with it. I, as the city councilman, I'm, I'm the liaison to our, Mar- our Maryland General Assembly members, so I work with people that I've worked with before. Um, I also am the liaison to one of our museums in the city, uh, the Aberdeen Room, and I'm also the liaison to our fire department, which is, you know, a, um, we, we provide a big contribution to our volunteer firefighters each year as a to their operating expenses. So I attend their board meetings and provide input and be the liaison from their concerns and their needs to the city. And they just finished a huge um, 
like eight or nine million dollar uh, renovation rebuild of their uh, um, firehouse uh, downtown. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of extra work to, to do in the job. And I, I say to people, you know, the council job is, you know, you put in as much as you want it to be. It could be, you know, you attend the meetings once every two weeks, or you can be really hands on, craft legislation, meet with people, and um, you know, address a lot of constituent concerns depending on the level of work you want to do. And I have a quick uh, like follow-up, but also a personal question. As a fellow poli-sci um, graduate, do you see yourself um, making a career in terms of like becoming a politician, or do you feel eventually you'll want to be like an analyst and more like help educate those coming up later while we're now when we become the old heads? Right. Um, you know, it's not something I think I'd want to do forever. I I enjoy the state level work. I thoroughly enjoy the state level work. I could see myself maybe moving up in, in the political sphere a little bit. Um, I've I don't have you know grand ambitions. I have. I, there's always every elected official has some ambitions. That's 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 the reality of it. You know, there's things you want to do. Um, so the state level office, you know, if, if the right opportunity opened up one day, I could see myself doing that. But you know, I'd like I like being the you know down the road being someone who can provide you know, guidance and insight and, and, and do the research and analyze things. Um, my professional work has mostly been in that, that scope. So I, I, I could see doing a little bit of both going, going forward. All depends on opportunities and what, what you're, what you, what you have the ability to do in terms of dedicating the time to, and being in the right circumstances to do that. Gotcha. Um, just from uh, doing this little bit of research, even the uh, mayor is uh, not a particularly lucrative uh, position either. It no. seems like the mayor would also need a secondary job. Oh, just absolutely, to, absolutely. Just to uh, afford to be the mayor. <laughs> absolutely. I think it just shows that people who go into this do it for the love of their city and the absolutely. love of not politics, but just the love of seeing their county grow. And I think that really speaks to you, saying that you don't see yourself moving up further much just because you want to be that base name you live down the street if i have a problem i can just be like hey adam my trash didn't get picked up again right yeah absolutely and and that that i appreciate you saying that it's not just it it's like there's there's certainly you know some some growth some things you can only deal with at like the state level that's why like even then that person is still very connected to the community you can that person is someone you can see at the grocery store you can see them you know out at local festivals you don't typically see you know your congressman <laughs> at a lot of things uh, just because of the scope of, of, of the size of the district right. and you know the level of time they have to dedicate being in Washington where your your city and your state officials you see significantly more um, and it really is about the the love of community and, and, and wanting to see your community grow and, and prosper in a, in a particular way it, it it's certainly not you know I don't I don't believe anybody who does particularly city or, or, or municipal politics um, do it for the money granted if you're in a really big city you know the job is full-time so you're, you're paid like paid accordingly um, but but in, in most municipalities of the 157 municipalities in Maryland about 150 of them are, are certainly not full-time and, and they certainly do it for for the sake that you that you love the community that you're in you're interactive Hogan what you ever interact with Hogan um, you know, not directly. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I did so more when I was working in an office, obviously. And, um, but you know, his, his staff is some is people that we, we interact with, you know, secretaries of different departments. We certainly interact with or liaisons that are, um, 
from from his administration we certainly do there we we don't necessarily interact with the governor too much <laughs> so uh how much does your um political party interact with local politics do people shut the door on you and they find out what party you're from um it only happened once in the 2019 in the 2019 city election i only had i had one person you know most people don't ask in city elections when you go to the door and you say what you're running for and why you're running um in city elections what your party is i had i had several ask me are you a democrat and I said yes, and, and they were they were happy about it. But I make sure very clearly like, this is a nonpartisan race. I'm not elected as a Democrat. I'm elected as mm-hmm. citizen Adam Hive. I'm not elected as you know Adam Hive Democratic nominee. So you know you get you, in a city like Aberdeen, which is is a definitely a more democratic city. You, you don't get as many you, when people do ask you what your party is. A lot of times they will be of the same persuasion. Um, I had two two people ask me. And they weren't happy about it. One, one, I um, we were able to persuade to, to vote for me um, after talking to them and realizing that this is not a partisan race. And um, you know, then and then one person just wouldn't even. They just basically slammed the door in your face. <laughs> yeah, because you know, running locally is just so different from like running on like a you know, statewide or national level or something like that because like you're you're dealing with super specific local issues absolutely it's like i'm your neighbor i also hate this trash problem this right. isn't a democrat republican issue you know yeah a lot of the things that I, I tell people you know we are not making decisions on party platforms we're making decisions on you know what's best for the city what's what we can financially do and certainly you get some things that come through that are like relative to your ideology like we are our city council is very diverse politically um we have democrats we have libertarians we have republicans um and so it's a you certainly see some of the ideology come through at times but it's not it's not like at the forefront it's not contentious i mean there's there is some contention but it's not like it's not like anything you'd see like in annapolis or washington (laughs) it's not partisan issues it's people issues yeah and it's just you know personal belief or belief in direction issues not necessarily you know it's because of my political ideology and the platform of this party that i am taking this stance it's because what i see is 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 best versus you know someone else's opinion but you can see a little bit of, of partisanship come through on, on select issues but yeah, it, you know you got to worry yeah. about that big government coming in to <laughs> take your trash away <laughs> and i know we keep harping on the trash thing but you know trash is a it's a community issue it's, it's a health care issue it's a visible issue yeah, yeah. it's a visible issue that that residents see every week and it's a service that every resident basically other than unless you live in an apartment complex receive from the city so it's a it's yeah, we're harping on it, but it's a very visual issue and a, and a very issue, a very big issue that impacts a lot of people. And trash collection also affects healthcare and it, it, and a, the environment. Yeah, it's a trickle down. Definitely where, the environment. Where yeah. people don't think about it, they're just like, oh, it's just trash, but it's not just trash. Well, if the trash doesn't get picked up, then you get things that end up that blowing out, or they go in the storm drains, and you clog that up, or you pollute the environment. So it's it, it it's 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 a lot of layers to it. It's 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 the personal connection the 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 touch as i said earlier like you you can physically see it and interact with it versus you know the health impacts versus the environmental impacts and so it's 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 a big it's a big issue but you know there's more to city than just trash but that's a big physical big visual part of it
So my next question might be a tough one for you, but I'm interested in seeing your response to it. So how loyal are you to the Democratic Party? I know you are a committee member mm-hmm. here in Harford County. Um, is like party more important to you than like policy decisions? Do you find people who are under the same tent as you that you just don't see a lot of ideolo- ideological um, middle ground with? Like, what's that like? So, you know, as a central committee, we we we're just we support Democratic candidates, we support Democratic nominees. But, you know, there's certainly like, you know, sometimes positions that come up in the party that I'm like, yeah, I'm not, you know, a huge fan of or, you know, we could go about this differently and and I I see where where the Republican party is coming from on certain issues. And so it's certainly not like um I would say I'm in lockstep with everything that comes down from on high or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I've, I've, I tell people, um, a lot of times there's, there's a difference between a Democrat in Maryland as a whole versus being a Democrat in Harvard County. Cause I think the belief system is a little different. I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's conservative. Sometimes it's more moderate, but it's not necessarily like, you know, old school, moderate Democrats. It's kind of like finding a more practical solution to things sometimes. Um, you know, I, I I have friends that are that are that are Republicans that are my age that are older. I we get along. We we agree to disagree at things, and they're elected Republicans in this county that I get along with phenomenally well. Um, we don't again. We don't always agree, but we are working together to find a solution that we can agree on. So, I I would never say that you know I'm I'm 100 loyal to any any party, and it's kind of like building your own. It's the party that you feel more ideologically in line with and taking things that you like and going within things that you think that we could we could work on this better and you know, trying to find that common ground. Do you feel like that's been lost given the like bipartisanship polarization that's happened in the last decade or so where people used to, you know, yeah, agree or disagree. I mean, Democrats and Republicans have always been fundamentally different, but now it seems like your idea could be good. But since you're a Democrat, I don't want to hear it. Absolutely. I mean, it's not as visible at the city level again because it's nonpartisan. But just I've seen it just change in the last several years in Annapolis from the time that I was there to the, to now. Like Annapolis used to be much more um, collegial and, and court, uh, courteous to each other's opinions and really having you know thorough, long conversations to find some of that common ground. I mean, at the end of the day, the Democrats could do whatever they want down there because they're the supermajority. And they've that's the mandate from the voters. But there used to be more of, you know, the attacks coming from the right and the left, particularly the more extreme parts of both parties were were kind of, you know, non non existent. And if there was a disagreement, it would be very cordial. And listening to this last session, I think a lot it was just it was a different world. Like the, the, the police reform debates, the debates on, you know, the state song, the debates on other social issues were just like they were not the same debates that you would see on the House floor four or five years ago. It, it really has changed. And, of course, Washington is, is you know, a mess when it comes to that. Um, but coming down the ladder, it, it, it's still – it's less and less as you come down the hyperpartisanship. But it's still – I think it's still there. I think, you know, even if it's just a comment, you know, like you're trying to discuss things at the, at the city level and someone just throws a comment out there and it's like, you know, that really wasn't necessary. You wouldn't have said that, you know, a few years ago. And we try to keep partisan politics out of city, out of the city, and um, so it really, it really has become harder. And I've, I've talked to people who are generally more moderate on both sides, or, or at least their temperament is more moderate, 
and, it, and it's it's not easy and you know a lot of that goes goes back to you know you can go back to you can pinpoint things in the 90s you can pinpoint stuff in the early 2000s you can pinpoint stuff the stuff that happens in the last five years but the, the partisanship has just gotten really difficult for people who want to try to find common ground on some things um so a lot of people have problems with uh, public servants who stay in office for too long. Mm-hmm. That's always a big concern. People who just sort of get uh, complacent and um, maybe uh, do their job and maybe aren't doing enough anymore, who've gotten pretty comfortable. Uh, what do you have to say to people who are weary about public servants being in office for too long? Do you have an opinion on that? I, I do. I, I, I'm not the biggest you know, I'm not the biggest proponent of term limits because there are, there are problems that come with that. Because you have, you know, you lose you lose institutional knowledge and you get new people in a lot. You get a huge turnover at one time because it's term limits and a third or a half of the body has to turn over, and you have the outsized influence of lobbying of lobbyists, particularly from big companies that can just throw all this money and all this attention on new people that are that don't know the history and don't know the process as well, and you know, influence them. And, and you don't have that background there to say, hold up, this is, again, you know, this is how this process works. This is how this particular department operates. This is how uh, we fund this. This is, you know, there's not that institutional knowledge there. And you risk with a lot of turnover uh, at one time that outsized influence by big corporations and, and lobbyists that, that are being paid by them. Um, and then on the flip side of that, um, you have the uh, you have elections, and I and I and, and it's, it's institutionally it's structurally st- messed up with the whole Citizens United decision from several years ago that really made it a whole lot harder to you know take out incumbents because the, the influence of money that just opened the floodgates. But I say you know, elections happen every two, four, or six years, you have the opportunity to throw everybody out or put, leave somebody in office that you like. And if, they do, if they're doing a good job, then, they, then someone should, you know, be, should be reelected. There's, there are some people that have been around a long time that are phenomenal public servants. There are other ones that are just sitting around collecting a check. And, and you really, and the, the problem is that the system is, is, is not structurally set up to make that easy. So I totally get that we should be constantly on our elected officials to make sure that they're constantly being innovative and responding to the needs of their constituents. But at the same time, you don't want to just throw somebody out just because of a term limit if they're doing a phenomenal job. I, I fully believe executive positions should be term limited like they are now. You know, county executives, governors, presidents. Um, not, all, not all states have governors that are term limited. You have you could have governors served for decades, and that's not good either. Um, but legislative roles, you have some phenomenal legislators at, in Congress, phenomenal legislators in, in the state capitol, and it's, it's, it's like it's a, um, it'd be a, a detriment to the state to lose them. Um, me personally, I don't see myself in any one position for a long, long time. And, you know, it all depends on, obviously, circumstance, but, you know, a few terms there, a few terms there. It, 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 um, it's, it's, on, it's on what you what you believe you can contribute to and if you're still believe you can you can prefer, bring new something new to the table and um, sometimes that's you know a self-reflection sometimes that's someone telling you close to you like hey time time to hang it up <laughs> do something else um, you did bring up something interesting about lobbyists how do you feel about people who have been in these positions then going to those lobbyists, those corporation roles after, you know, they made these connections, they've 
been, they know how it works, and then they go work for the companies that are going to be talking to their friends. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, there needs to be, you know, I I know I don't know if the law has changed, but there used to be a like a, a breathing period where once you leave elected office, you have to. Um, there's a time frame, like I think it's sometimes it's two years or more uh, at the federal level. I think it's a year in Maryland um, before you can go back into you know the lobbying side of things. You know, it's 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 beneficial in a way to both the elected official and the lobbyist, the lobby, the organization who's hiring them. Cause sometimes it's, sometimes it's nonprofit. Sometimes it's environmental groups. It's not always just big, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations. And so that lobbyist has the perspective to, you know, understand the process better than anybody else, know how to talk to the people in a particular way. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's, 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 it's basically, getting elected to get a payout basically to, to take on the lobbying role which is which is you know a morally a real <laughs> conflicting thing for me and so there's there's pros and cons to it i, I have I don't really ever come down with like a strong opinion on it it's not something i have a strong opinion on but just because i i see pros and cons to it and it also depends on who they're lobbying for <laughs> and uh, speaking of opinion i would like to pick your brain on this little nugget of t- where i would say that a lot of things that fall in line with stars you know, we work in legislative, so the idea of like representatives, they only have about two years to work, and you know how backlog a congressional building can get. Do you feel like if they had an extra year versus that two years, because it's half a year getting ready of all the backlog, catching up to that, then trying to do, oh, wait, now it's re-election time. Right. Yeah, I, I think the United States is, is very unique in the terms of how short our terms are for, for members of Congress. You know, our senators have six-year terms, which is, you know, on the upper end of what term limit term lengths are typically. But our members of the House, two years is very short. You look at most parliamentary democracies, like the UK have typically about five years, Canada's four or five years. You know, a lot of those countries, their elected representatives are there for quite some time. And I, I would be, I always thought two years is, is just insane, especially if you're in a competitive district. Like if you're a congressperson, and you're in a swing district, a really swing district, and you're targeted. You got to get elected, and before you're even even sworn in, you're ra- you have to raise like ten thousand dollars a week at least, at least. And um, so you're spending half your time raising money, and you're spending the first year learning the job, really learning the job, and then you've got a handful of months, and then you're up for re-election. And it depends on when your state's primary is. Some states' primaries are as early as March of the election year, so you've got like a handful of months to truly be a legislator before you're right back at it running again. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I think the terms for the House should be, in my ideal world, it's, it should be coincide with the presidential elections and have a four-year terms. You know, people will say, well, the, the opinion of the country changes, and, you know, you could see it with most presidents. Two years into their term, the House changes parties typically. But, you know, if you elect a president, he or she's a, agenda can't get done in two years. I mean, you've elected them for a four-year term with a Congress that could change in two years. And so you look at the Affordable Care Act and you go back to the first two years of the Obama administration doing the Affordable Care Act and trying to do a bunch of other things. You got, you got one big piece of legislation done in two years. And so all the other things that people wanted to get done didn't get done, and they threw them out of office. And, wh- and whether you liked them or not, you know, Trump had two years to get his agenda done, and people weren't happy and, and you know, Maybe to our belief, it was great that they got rid of the, some of the, of the Congress, but the, the the policy of the president that got elected didn't have time to fully um, 
get completed. And you know, it it just it doesn't make sense to me that that it's so short. Um, and you know, in my ideal world, it would, it would coincide um, with with those races. Um, my next question uh, brings us back to local uh, politics. Is there a problem with uh, big money um, in local elections at all? Um, there's, you know, I don't. It's, it's not anywhere near like you would see even at the state level. But you know, there's obviously people that have, you know, have interests in what's going on in the city. They're either business owners or with big businesses, or you know, they want to do a particular project in the city, a development or something. And so those people can afford to put out, give out more money to candidates. Um, we have, we have uh, Aberdeen actually has the most restrictive and most um, uh, cumbersome campaign finance laws in of the three municipalities. So Beller and Haverty Grace, you don't have to report a dime that you raise or, or where you get it from. Now, everybody else, like school boards and all the way up through to the governor, follow the same Maryland law with campaign finance limits and when you have to report. The city of Aberdeen is very restrictive. So we have four filing periods between September and December of that election year. So we have to file like every few weeks like, how much money we've raised, where it's coming from and where it's going to and publicly present that to the or give that to the clerk of the city and that is is goes on the city's website and people can look at what we where we raised our money, where we spent it. Um, so and we have caps too. Like we the max somebody can give in a city election is $1000. So you can't give 6000, 7000, you can't set up a pack and raise thousands and thousands of dollars and you know i'll be the first to say you know it's not uncommon for candidates to get a thousand dollar check from somebody but when you factor that in with all the other money that you're getting from from local people the outsized influence that that check has is so much smaller than getting it from um than getting it from like i could raise a thousand dollars from 50 30 people and get one check from somebody for a thousand but at the federal level and even at the state level, that 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 six thousand dollars, seven thousand, ten thousand dollar check or a fifty thousand dollar check to a super PAC is so much more influence than your twenty five dollar check. So we we have very, um, again, our clerk prides ourselves on transparency, and we all do. And so we we have a very um, very detailed, very um, laid out uh, system in Aberdeen. So the the influence of money is much smaller. That's good to hear. Um, so, <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> uh, Danny's about to pull up your uh, campaign financial history. <laughs> You're welcome to it. <laughs> I do like that it's so easily available. I did one Google search and I found it. Yep, it's very easy. Um, you know, some the last election we had didn't have a really competitive race, so most people didn't raise any money at all and just went off the materials that they already had. But I was a new candidate, so I raised money. I had signs, literature to buy, um, and some shirts. And, you know, I tried to – almost all the money that I raise goes right back into local businesses here in Hartford County. Um, they do the signs and shirts and um, or restaurants to, to thank volunteers and stuff like that for, for their work. Um, so you can – that's all easily available on my on my page uh, or on the city's page under my profile, um, so that's that's definitely uh, easily accessible, and I I try to make sure that every money that comes in stays in, if not in Aberdeen, in Harford County. Did you have a staff, or did you kind of have more like just like volunteers who like helped out for your vision? Oh, it's it's all volunteer. You know, we I don't have um, I don't have anybody you know raising. I don't have anybody out there specifically for raising money. I don't have anybody working. I I create my own walking lists. 
I, you know, reach out, I write a letter to people that might contribute to the campaign and, and send a letter. I didn't work really hard on the money because it wasn't as competitive this year. And I knew what the basic things that I needed were and some things I could get for, you know, walking lists are not expensive. They're, they're basically free from the Board of Elections. You create your own list, but the inf the data is, is free from the Board of Elections. So it's, it's, um, it, it's really all volunteer. And then, of course, when you're elected, it, it's, it's, you don't have a staff as a city council member. You have the city manager who handles all the day to day and is is answerable to us as the mayor and council. And we have a couple of staff and admin that we can go to for things or a department head, but we don't have any individual staff to deal with our own initiatives or constituent needs. We do that all on ourselves or try to get it connected to the right person in, in staff to take care of that. Awesome. Um, so. The next question is one that I've asked to every single politician that, uh, or aspiring politician that we've had on so far, um, is what advice do you have for people who are wanting to get into politics and run for office? Um, yeah, go ahead. So the, the biggest advice I would give is, you know, um, be willing to be, if you're an introvert, be willing to talk to people. I find myself typically to be someone who is not the most outgoing person. I mean, I, I can talk to anybody all day. Um, but that's kind of you find find what's what you're comfortable with and make that the, your avenue to connect with people. Um, attend meetings, attend city events, or whatever level of government you're you're in, and and don't be afraid to you know put something out there that hasn't been you know thought of before. Don't be don't feel discouraged by any negative t negativity. Don't try to put out a lot of negativity yourself. I I I don't think you know I can be very constructive about somebody and, and be having a different opinion with them and say, you know, I disagree with this person. This is why I disagree with them, but I'm not going to question their, you know, dedication to the work or who they represent, um, you know, unless it's so plainly obvious, you know, but that doesn't really happen. Um, it's important to also, you know, have a, have a small group of people that are, you know, that you're very, that you trust and are dedicated to you um, in, in a campaign and, and be your support if you if you should be elected, you know, some the person to to uh, vent your frustrations to, or you know, talk about the, the accomplishments that you did, because sometimes the easiest way to deal with the controversy or any anything you you, you weren't happy with that went on is just to have somebody there to talk to and be there. Because sometimes it's, it's long nights, sometimes it's you know, taking on things on on the weekends where you're. Or you want to do other things or family events that you know I really got it should be at this this meeting or this public event um, and just be willing to listen I think that's the biggest thing is communication and listening to people um, and not just listening to like just you know take it in and not remember but like listen to it and really take that perspective and you know, jot it down and if you think of something that might that might address that or like hey I've got that person that brought this up to me. Let me circle back with them and see what they think on, on this. It's building connections, listening to people and, and just having open lines of communication. It's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is more specific to you because you're more local. How would someone wanting to run for city council get their foot in the door at Aberdeen? At oh, absolutely. I think, I think the best thing to do is, is find something local in Aberdeen that you're passionate about there is probably an organization or something related to what you want to do if not it's not it's not always the easiest to start one up but there's there's certainly avenues out there to do that if there's something that we do have you know um we have a lot of volunteer boards in the city 
and the mayor is always looking for people to to be willing to do that type of work. Um, now, granted, some of the commissions have very defined number of people that can sit on it, so you can't always just get onto something. It has to be an open seat. But I think it's it's very we have we have you know community cleanups on like the first Saturdays of the month, you know get involved in stuff like that. Um, Parks and recreation we have a volunteer board get involved there. Um, appearance and preservation they do like our our, our parade in December, um, and do other beautification stuff around the city. We have economic development committees. We have you know planning commissions, zoning appeals, all these things that have avenues for people to get involved. Um, or a new initiative, if they want to take. We don't have a um, we don't have a, a green team like Howard Grace does, and that's something that we should really have. Um, so there's a lot of avenues for people to get involved, and I always tell people, um, or even if it's through something that's not directly related to the city, like the Boys and Girls Club or um, the Army Alliance or the Aberdeen Room uh, Museum, and uh, or or um, you know some local organization through a church or through a other nonprofit. Um, Any that interacts with the city, that's the way to get in the door and just interact start interacting with some of the elected officials you know i'm always available to talk to people if they have questions on things or um want to discuss something new um you know our city website has has our email information um available under our bios and it has um you know uh on, on my card I handed out has my phone number on it, my cell number, not just the city's number, but my, my personal cell number. So, you know, that's that's how I encourage people is don't don't be afraid to get involved. Don't be afraid to ask a question. Um, and, you know, just take a little time every once in a while. You know, all of our meetings are, are live streamed, so they're all cataloged on the website, so you can watch a meeting if there's something that you're looking for. Um, and, you know, our council meetings are open to the public. We've, we've, we've had them available open to the public since the start of the pandemic, whether it was virtual or now in person for a while. We have public comments, so you have opportunities two different times during the council meeting to speak for five minutes each um, or more if the council deems it, it necessary. Um, so there's a lot of avenues out there for people to get involved. It's just, you know, encouraging people to do that. There's the, we, are, we are right there. We are your neighbors, and you just have to, you know, knock on our door sometimes or just give us a call. Um, and I, I just try to push the city's website and our, our social media out there because that's that's how that people get involved and learn more if they want to get involved with something just just ask because there's probably something out there for you do you get a lot of uh phone calls on your personal phone from um constituents um you get some i mean lots of times you get it most of the time you get it through email when you do get it you don't get a ton um i have a, a social media page and sometimes i get it there too like on Going back to the trash issue, you know, you get a lot of feedback that, that way there. Um, but it, a lot of times, most of the communication is, is some of it's through email because that's easy, more easily accessible than a phone number. And sometimes people don't want to call; they just want to get their words written down and send it to you. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're not comfortable making phone calls. Um, but the a lot of times we, we certainly get phone calls from constituents or people that are interested in doing business with the city. Um, so th- those are typically our, our most common um, uh, interactions that we have. But my term started right before COVID. So it started December or November of 19, and by March we were in lockdown. And so most of my term has been you know, more isolated than I would have liked it to have been. And even when we had the meetings open to the public, it was limited seating and people still weren't comfortable showing up. Our next council meeting will be the first one where it's you know fully open, max full capacity. You know, masks aren't required. So um, before, of course, they were with social distancing. Um, 
and a lot of our big events that we've had, like our, our Christmas Street Parade was canceled last year, Earth Day was canceled the last two years. There's some big events that we do in Aberdeen that gives you the opportunity to engage with the public. A lot of, you know, businesses haven't opened, so we didn't have those ribbon cuttings and other community events. Um, you know, we had the farmer's market, but less people showed up because of, of the pandemic. So that opportunity to really engage outside of City Hall with people has been less lessened and had to be more through social media. Um, so I'm hoping that as things light up, uh, lighten up now and over the next remainder of the term that we have more of that, you know, traditional um, community feel and interaction that we've had in the past. Um, because it's it's sorely been missing and, it, and we've missed it too. I can tell you that from the perspective of, of the city. Um, for our local listeners or just people who are interested, when is the next um, meeting? So our, our next meeting is uh, this Tuesday, the 25th. We typically meet on the first and third, um, uh, sorry, second and fourth uh, Mondays at 7 p.m. at City Hall. Um, the month uh, we have right now we're in a different period because uh, mon this Monday night is Aberdeen High School's graduation, and so the mayor and council typically go to that. Um, we're invited to, to go, so um, a majority of the council, including myself, will be at the um, Aberdeen High School graduation. Um, it'll be my first one since my uh, sister graduated seven years ago, so it'll be nice to go back <laughs> and see some of some familiar faces. Um, but of course, they're they're all being done at Ripken Stadium this year, which is also in Aberdeen. So all of the high schools are having their graduations at Ripken Stadium. So I'm I'm uh, um, ironically one of our classmates, one of his younger siblings, is actually graduating on on oh. on uh, on on Monday. So it really makes and knowing him then and knowing how young his sibling is then, it makes me feel like a little bit older now. <laughs> like, we are a little bit older now. Yeah, like like this kid was like in elementary school when I last like early saw him and now he's graduating high school. I did the math. I was like, oh, I graduated the same year as, as your sister because you said seven years ago. I was like, yeah. oh, God, I graduated seven years ago. Yeah. Ten-year reunion's coming around the corner. I know, ten-year reunion's coming around the corner. And yeah. Lit. <laughs> oh, God, Gary. So, <laughs> you got you to get Gary, on the class. you're not allowed. You got to get on the class president about that. That's uh, um, that's Balawa. So you three would know who I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, I know Balawa. I can pour shots in his mouth again. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a story to get into uh, so, some other time, time when we're not on air. <laughs> um, actually, so, actually mine. Yeah. Uh, it recently got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> Want to talk about that? So, yeah, I'm still not back on my page yet because, um, yeah, uh, my page got hacked like a week ago. And um, I never knew there was two-factor authentication on my page. And I never was told about it. So when I went to reset the password, got the account back back so they weren't making more changes to the account um it asked for this code and I'm like i don't have this code i don't know that and i set up a code generator app well i don't have the information from my account that i have to only get once i'm logged in to do that so i am working with you know people that i know in the industry that are more inclined with fa like actually work for facebook to get that fixed because right now it's certainly not my, it's my account, but it's not set up the way I want it right now. Um, so I'm waiting to get a code, a code to get back in. So that that has not been fun. This, this is so crazy looking, man. I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like some Vietnamese herbal something. Yeah, it looks see, like honey an MLM. and berries. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 
it, vitamin supplement shop. That's what you do now. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. So I, and I haven't even like I've only seen it from screenshots because people have sent it to me because um, I can't of course get back on right now. Oh, I, I'm gonna just tilt my computer to to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you sold vitamins. Yep. Uh, is this a councilman Haya being uh, bought and you know uh, yep. influenced by <laughs> Vietnamese uh, yeah. nutrients? You know, the, being hacked is not very fun. Local. Yeah, very unlocal. Um, so I'm I, I'm working on getting the account back and fully in in my hands so I can set it back to where it needs to be. So um, yeah, it hasn't hasn't been fun. And of course, um, I was interacting with Hunter through. Uh, Facebook Messenger and had to go through a family member's account to contact him to, to confirm tonight. So crazy. Um, yep. No juice here. His account is still actively being hacked right now. <laughs> yeah, so so the account is still not back. If you're looking for my councilman page, it is out there, but it's currently not under my control. So it, It'll pop up when you look for it, um, yeah. but it won't, it won't tell you what it is. Right. So aside from your hacked Facebook <laughs> profile, is there any other uh, social medias that people can reach out and just see what's going on, you know, of consummate high up? So um, I've never, never got really big into Twitter, so I don't have a Twitter page. Um, potentially in the future, I probably should. But, you know, I, I don't have one right now. Um, so my, my Facebook and then just interacting with me directly is my main you know, portal to, to people. Um, of course, phone calls, email, or social media has been my my go-to. I've I I've pride myself on knowing the basics of technology and helping you know grandparents and people that don't don't know as much what they're doing. But I've never got myself like into the tech world as much. So I I, I try to leave that to um, to the people who really are good at that. Stay away from Max. <laughs> that way. Um, actually, mm -mm. Max are perfectly fine. We are not sponsored uh, by Apple. Uh, Please, Apple sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Adam, thank you for coming on and talking to us tonight about you know the ins and outs of what it's like to be a local official, um, what it's like to run for office. That stuff's all really fascinating. I hope our listeners get a lot of um, useful stuff out of that, especially if they're local, because some of our audience is rather local. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, you know, I I just you know. My information is out there on the city website. Hopefully, the Facebook page will be back relatively soon. Hopefully, uh, council meetings are second and fourth Monday uh, Mondays. The um, next one will um, be the day after this episode gets published. Yeah. So it's, it's it'll be it'll be the twenty it's the twenty fifth this of May is our next meeting. Um, our in in June it's a little uh, shifted to the first and third Mondays because we have. You know, budget season having deadlines when the budget needs to get passed, and we have a conference at the end of the month. So typically, fourth, second, and fourth Mondays, 7 p.m. Aberdeen Council Chambers, 60 North Park Street, um, in Aberdeen. There is you know opportunities for the public to provide input. As I said, uh, two different opportunities for public comment. Um, I encourage people to to attend those meetings to ask the questions. And if they're not city issues, we can certainly get you connected to the people at the county or the state that do um, handle those issues. And, you know, I just tell people, stay involved, fo follow the news, whether it's local all the way up, and please, you know, please vote and get involved in local elections. They're extremely important. They have a huge impact on your day-to-day um, -day life, much more than even, you know, your, your congressman. And um, we just don't see the turnout there. So stay involved, follow local elections, reach out to your local officials, with, whether you have a question. If they, if they don't have the answer, they'll find somebody that does have the answer. And, um, you know, government doesn't move as fast as you'd like it to, but it's important to get engaged early and, and often. 
Great stuff, great stuff. And uh, when Adam Hayab runs for president, you guys can <laughs> say that you found him here first. Uh, so uh, good night, everyone. Night. Good night. <laughs>